When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. He blitzes right past Marshawn to the net. Dishes. What timer score? Leon Dreisaitl. What a play by McDavid. Dreisaitl's got it back. 10 seconds to play. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Austin Matthews has just scored for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a 2-2 tie. Boston and Toronto two minutes into the second period. Leafs leading that series two games to one. Stars and Predators about to get underway in Dallas. Predators up 2-1 in that series. And later on tonight, 8 o'clock start. Colorado hosting Calgary. The Avalanche lead that best of seven series two games to one. The Edmonton Oil Kings getting ready to go against Prince Albert. They will be in PA to start the East Final on Friday and Saturday. They will host the Raiders in games three and four on Tuesday and Wednesday at Rogers Place. Don't forget, tickets are now on sale, but how's this for a deal? We can give you tickets. Now, here's what you have to do. We also have a game-worn autographed Matthew Robertson jersey. He wears number 22, and we have four tickets to the 630 Ched Loge table at Rogers Place. You have to go to 630Ched.com, go to the contest page, and enter the code word PLAYOFFS. Enter the code word PLAYOFFS. All right? So this is not a call-in. Well, if you call in, I'll just I'll just repeat what I just told you to do. <laughs> Go to the contest page on 630chat.com. Enter the code word PLAYOFFS. Uh, we're going to have another code word tomorrow as well if you missed that one. So that is for uh, tickets to one of the home games next week and a loge table for four and a game-worn autographed Matthew Robertson jersey. Good stuff. All right. And the uh, Blue Jays in action tonight as well. They're in a, well, they're not in action. It's in a rain delay with the Twins. No score. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Well, two are gone. We'll talk about the Penguins being swept by the Islanders with Phil Bork from, their, uh, from the Penguins Radio Network in a few minutes. And, of course, one of the biggest upsets ever. The extra attacker is on. Kucherov has the puck. He shoots it. It gets blocked. Follow-up chance to put it in front. They couldn't do it. Blue Jackets tipping around and in. Josh Anderson races for it. He's got it on the far wall. Loose puck and coming in is Panarin. He can't get there. And then Snap goes. Cuffs it up. There's a score! Artemi Panarin buries it! And he gives the Blue Jackets a 5-3 lead! And of course... Oh, bake me a big loaf, Fred, man! And there's no bigger loaf 
of bread that has been baked this year than that one. Uh, yeah, I talked over the cannon. That's a big faux pas. Bob Stoffer would never forgive me. He loves that cannon. <laughs> Bob McGilligut, the play-by-play voice on the Blue Jackets radio network. Of course, they would add another couple to uh, to get the shocking sweep over the 62-win Tampa Bay Lightning. They had 128 points, 30 more than Columbus, who had 98 points. So, you know, this this ranks up there. And whenever you do a list like this, you can always say, well, that's the one, that's the biggest one. And somebody else will say, well, no, that's the biggest one, that's the biggest one. This is, this is one of the biggest in NHL history. I, I would put it on a very short list for the biggest of all time, simply because uh, 62 wins, tying the all-time record, and it happens in the first round. The 62-win Detroit Red Wings did not win the Stanley Cup in 1996, though they made it all the way to the conference final before losing to a very good Colorado Avalanche team. But this happens in the first round, and it was a sweep. That's the one that really clinches it for me, uh, why it enters this discussion. So I started thinking, though, I'm not going to go through the whole NHL because that could take forever. The biggest upsets that the Oilers have ever been involved in in their playoff history. And I came up with six series. And one of them, I think you might question. I'll save that one for the end, but I'll explain why I put it on the list. First of all, I'll group these two together in uh, in these spots, 97 and 98. Edmonton beat Dallas in 97 in the first round on the Todd, uh, Todd Marchand overtime winner. Edmonton had 81 points. Dallas had 104 uh, 23 point difference, pretty significant, but the game, the series went seven games, went to seven games overtime. 1998, Edmonton was 15 points behind Colorado. That doesn't sound like that much. Edmonton came back from a 3 1 deficit, won in game seven with a shutout. Cujo posting the shutout against the Avalanche. Those were pretty significant, but I have bigger ones in the history of the Oilers, and they're not all on Edmonton's side. Let's go back to 2006. This started the Oilers' run. They had 95 points, but as we know from discussing 500 a few days ago with with some listeners, you know, good season, but that only got them into eighth. They were 29 points behind Detroit going into the first round that season, and they won in six games. So that was a pretty big upset in favor of the Oilers. In 1981, 21 teams in the league. The Oilers were 14th. They played Montreal third overall. 29-point difference once again, and the Oilers swept the best of five at that time, three games to nothing. That's a a big one in Oilers history. Uh, Here's one that didn't go the Oilers' way. In 1982, the Oilers had 111 points. The Los Angeles Kings had 63 points. And yes, in that day and age, you could make the playoffs with 63 points. A 48-point difference. 48 points. Los Angeles won the series in five. That was the series that included the miracle on Manchester, the 5 nothing comeback for the Kings that they won the game 6-5 in overtime. That was game three. The Oilers won game four, lost game five on home ice. So the Oilers were 48 points ahead of the LA Kings and lost in five. The other one that I put on here is not a large differential in terms of regular season points. But I, I, I go back to this series because it was a sweep. 
and the hype around that series because it was a battle of Alberta. In 1988, in the second round, then known as the Smythe Division Final, the Oilers had 99 points. They swept the 105-point Calgary Flames, who were first overall that year. And the reason I'm putting that one on there is my recollection from being a 14-year-old junior high student in Evansburg at the time you know, my recollection was that was the year it was supposed to kind of be over for the Oilers. The Flames had passed them in the regular season. You know, they they finished higher in the regular season. They finished first in the division. They were favored to win that series, and that was supposed to be the year it really changed. And Calgary was better than Edmonton. And yeah, Calgary had beat Edmonton in 1986, but they needed the the unusual own goal involving Steve Smith and Grant Fuhr to get it done, and Calgary ultimately didn't go on to win the Stanley Cup. They lost to another upstart team, the Montreal Canadiens, with a rookie Patrick Waugh in goal. But it, then in 87, the Oilers win, and then in 88, the Flames were better. The, the Flames looked like a better team, and, and they had home ice in the regular season, and they had first overall. And not only did the Oilers win that series, they won in four straight. And that's the one that included, in my mind, one of the greatest goals in Oilers history. Maybe my all-time favorite goal, just because of the circumstances, shorthanded, in overtime, looks like Calgary's going to be on a power play, looks like they're going to, well, they were on a power play, looks like they're going to score to tie the series, and Gretzky fires that shot over Vernon's shoulder. And then the Oilers won three at four home. So I know that wasn't a big differential in points, but I look back on that one as one of the most significant upsets in involving the Edmonton Oilers. And I know the Flames won the Stanley Cup next year, but that was the year they were supposed to do it. They were supposed to flat out prove they were better than the Edmonton Oilers. They weren't going to need you know, a, a fluky goal, a weird goal to win the series. They were just going to do it on the ice. Then they didn't win a game. Jared on line one. Nice to hear from you. Hi, Reed. I just have a, a theory on why there's always so many upsets in the first round. And if I look at the Colorado series or or the um, series with Columbus, is that like a team like Tampa Bay, they have a lot of depth. Columbus has a good team, but not necessarily as much depth. So in the first round, like what we're seeing in this series, certain players on the lesser depth teams like Colorado or Columbus are getting a lot of ice time. And not until like later in the second round or third round or cup finals does the depth of a team really take hold. And so teams can get upset in the first round because all you have to do is keep playing your key players a lot. And this series is actually relatively even. So if Tampa Bay would have got through the first round, I think they would have went all the way to the Stanley Cup. But it was an even series because of the fact that John Tortorelli was leaning on certain players. But with the L.A. Edmonton series, in 1982, L.A. still had Marcel Dion, Charlie Simmer, Dave Taylor. They still had a lot of very good players that could upset you. But uh, last comment with the 1988 team, with the Oilers in Calgary, that, that team there, I thought Calgary was going to beat Edmonton. But Edmonton, that, was, that was a little bit shocking, but it was the next year. I remember 1989, I went to a game, and Oilers lost 9-3 to Calgary, and Joel Otto beat up Mark Messier twice. Right. And I remember that game, and I'm like, wow, that they're going to win it all this year because they really beat Edmonton badly that year. Another thing about 82, the Oilers had never really, well, they, they had never been a favorite before. And things do change, Jared, when you're expected to do it, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because yeah, that was the year I think they scored 446 goals. That was the most goals 
ever scored in the NHL in one season. But there was also the Minnesota team in 1991 who had like a young Mike Medano, Dave Gagne, Neil Broughton, Mark Tenorti, John Casey, and Ned. And they, there was a big gap between them and Chicago. And they almost went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But that first round's tricky because I don't think the depth kicks in until like the later round. So it's, it's, fairly, it's a fairly even matchup. But now with Tampa Bay out, it's open. But that first round, they have to get by it. And a lot of teams, they can't get by that first round. And then, and then uh, so that's all I got to say. Jared, good to hear from you, man. Take care, hey. okay? Bye-bye. That is Jared. We will check in with Phil Bork. What happened to the Penguins when we get back? You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Latang will track it down. Three, two, one. The horn sounds. And oh, how sweep it is. The New York Islanders have their first sweep since the 83 Cup Final over the Oilers. And they are headed to round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Chris King from the Islanders Radio Network with the call. The Islanders knock off the Pittsburgh Penguins from the Penguins Radio Network, our buddy Phil Bork. Phil, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, I've actually been better. Well, that's a stinging loss for the Penguins. Yeah, that that's a tough one, Phil. And th- thanks for joining us uh, the, the day after they're bounced. And, you know... I, I was looking at this series going, and, you know, as a radio guy, we, we do our predictions, which I'm not very good at. But I, I did pick Pittsburgh in this series in a long series because I just thought their experience and, and what they've done in the past and some of their big guns might make the difference. That's how I was looking at it going in, Phil. Uh, you know, I wonder how you were looking at it going in. I guess we have, we have the benefit of hindsight now. But what were you thinking going into this series, first, first of all, about the matchup? I was right with you. I, I felt great about the Penguins' chances of moving on, but I knew it was going to be physical. And I was thinking six, probably seven games. Um, and a lot of low-scoring one-goal games. And we did get a lot of that. Uh, that's kind of the way the season unfurled. I, I guess what's disappointed me the most is that, uh, you know, I didn't see the playoff emotions that I wanted to see from the Penguins. And... Uh, just guys continue to struggle offensively, just really just have not struggled that much in the past uh, throughout their career. And uh, there were some, some moments during the regular season where you saw guys go through long stretches offensively. But, you know, the, the way they were talking after game 82 was, okay, this this is good. Let's let's clean the slate. Uh, this is the second season, and they were fired up. They were they were really fired up. They felt they had a good push from uh, March the first on, where they went fourteen four and four in the last uh, twenty two games, and they felt good about their game. And I felt good about their game, and I just didn't think that the New York Islanders would able to be able to keep up what they did defensively. I thought maybe they would waver and they would have to break out of that and, and play some offensive hockey, but they dictated all four of the games. They really dictated what was going to happen. And the Penguins, they tried to react and they played catch-up for almost the whole series. Well, yeah, and that's tough to do. And you mentioned the Islanders' d- defensive play. They, they totally turned it around from a team a year ago that, that couldn't keep the puck out of their own net to the, to the best team at doing that. For, and, and I know you saw them throughout the season, Phil. You know, a lot, of, a lot of credit is given to Barry Trotz. Certainly the goaltending was pretty good. From, from your view of the Islanders, not just what they did to Pittsburgh over the last week, but what they did all season long, what was the biggest key to their defensive turnaround? 
uh, you sound like a hockey junkie like me. Like you watch a lot of hockey, and uh, I like when I watch hockey. I like to watch it, uh, you know, where I've already recorded it, so that I can stop it and then play it back and watch it over and over again. I'm not, that's that's the way my mind works. And this is I'm get, I'm basically going to get to the answer to your question. Uh, but when when I watch the New York Islanders and I would watch some of the games the next day, many times I could hit the pause button and I would see five Islander jerseys around the puck in all three zones. And that's hard to do. Not only do you have to be able to skate and get there, be in that positioning, but you really need to think all the time of where am I, where's the opposition, and how do I get into that frame? And really, when you look at the offensive zone, the defensive zone, it's broken into quadrants. And when you break it into those quadrants, and and whatever quadrant the puck was in, there was pretty much five Islander jerseys around it. The Penguins had no room, and if they did get in behind uh, the Islanders now and again, Robin Leonard was there to make the save. You know, I love you brought that up because Ken Hitchcock talked about that during his uh, two-thirds of a season here with the Oilers about having five guys in, in the TV picture, right? That's exactly what you're talking about. Is exactly right. No matter where the puck is, you got five guys at least in the same, uh, in the same zone. From another Oilers angle here, and I'm going to ask you about an opponent, but he, but he helped the Islanders a lot in this series. Jordan Eberle, uh, two years ago, the Oilers were in the playoffs, didn't play, didn't score a goal in 13 games. What did you see from him over the course of this Islanders sweep? He was by far the MVP of the series. And Matt Brozell was good, but it was Everly. He killed us, absolutely killed us. Uh, and the way that he killed us was the, the goals that he scored were so timely, and most of them were right after the Penguins scored, within a, you know seconds, if not a minute, minute and a half, and that's what it was uh, last night. The Penguins had a dream start. Jake Gensel, who hadn't scored in the series yet, scores 35 seconds in, and a minute 34 later, it's him again. It's bar, it's it's uh, scoring a goal, and he literally sucked the life out of the building. And he did it a bunch of times for the Penguins. Uh, and it wasn't like he dominated. Uh, he didn't have a ton of chances. He was just an absolute sniper and incredibly opportunistic. I mean, he's got a good center iceman in Matt Barzell. You got to give him that. Uh, but whenever Barzell put it on his tape, or every he had a chance to shoot high, low, uh, bar down, short side, far side. It was really incredible. Uh, I don't know if he can keep that up, uh, but what he did to the Penguins in the first round, I'm going to remember for a long time. Phil Bork joining us on Inside Sports. I I just want to throw another one at you because I usually try to get a memory or two from your playing days. You 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 played uh, 56 postseason games, and obviously you won the Stanley Cup twice with with the Penguins. And just your memories of playoff series, and whether you're an underdog or a favorite, and obviously we saw a huge underdog with Columbus beating Tampa Bay. Like, do you remember any moments in series where you might have thought? I think we might have broken these guys, or, or I think we're in their heads a little bit. You know what I mean? Do you ever remember sensing that on the ice as a bench where it's like, okay, I think this is this is really going our way here? Two very clear, and you're talking 27 years ago. Uh, one was we went down 2-0 uh, to the Boston Bruins in a series, and uh, we had big Kevin Stevens uh, in his media scrum. I had actually just got out of the shower, and I was walking past Artie was his nickname, and uh, walking past Big Artie, and I heard him say, I guarantee we're going to win the series. I went over to my change locker. I don't remember who the teammate was. 
I go, did you just hear that? They're like, no, what are you talking about? I said, Artie just guaranteed we're going to win the series. He went, hell yeah. I went, hell yeah. And we did. We won four straight. The other time was uh, in 1992, Scotty Bowman was our head coach. Uh, we were playing the Washington Capitals. Uh, the Capitals beat us on home ice 8-2. to two. Dino Cicerelli had four goals. And it was the first time ever in my career I got booed off the ice. And I'm not talking little murmur boos. I'm talking people standing up, looking in the eye, going, you guys are a bunch of bombs. Get off the ice. And I was like, holy moly, this is unbelievable. Well, we went to a, we went to a 1-1-3 trap, a left-wing lock, and uh, we flipped the script on them like uh, you can't even believe. And we won the next three games. It was one of the, besides the, the two games of putting the cup over my, uh, my head in 91 and 92, the most satisfying victory I had was coming all the way back when we were down 3-1 to win game seven in Washington. I remember jumping up and down on the bench, pounding the glass, like I was an eight-year-old school kid that uh, got everything I wanted for Christmas morning. Memorable, memorable times. Oh man, those are those are awesome, Phil. Thanks for sharing those, and I, and I remember watching you guys on those series too. That's pretty incredible. Hey, Phil, thanks for checking in. You're always so generous with your time throughout the season. Uh, I know you wish we'd be doing a few more times uh, of the, a few more of these interviews throughout the spring, but uh, it didn't work out for the Penguins this year. But really appreciate your insight. Yep, appreciate you too. I enjoyed it coming on your show like always, and this was Good Hockey Talk. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Boston leading Toronto with four minutes left in the second period. Ten minutes into the game in Dallas, the Stars already lead the Predators 3-0. Cogliano, the most recent goal for Dallas. Flames and Avalanche coming up at 8 o'clock. The Blue Jays game out of the rain delay. It just started in Minnesota. There is no score. The NFL schedule has been released. First game, Thursday, September 5th. Packers at Bears the first Sunday nighter on September 8th will be the Steelers taking on the Patriots. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. I am pleased to welcome back to the 630 Chad studio from your Edmonton Oil Kings defense partners, Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod. Gentlemen, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having us. For a third time. For a third time, and I know you're hoping a fourth, but we won't get to that. We, uh, You came in before the start of the playoffs. You came in between rounds one and two. And now here we are between rounds two and three as you're set to uh, take on Prince Albert starting on Friday night. First of all, congratulations. You must be feeling great. Thanks. Yeah, feeling pretty good. How have you used the uh, extended break between the two series? Cloudy. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of thoughtful Cloudy. reflection, apparently. Well, there was there was some R and R. I will leave it at that. Yeah, lots and of sleep. <laughs> a lot of sleep. Um, and then, as this week has progressed, we've been just getting back on the ice, back into our systems, and basically just ramping it up here for Friday. I, I want to go over some key points from the sweep of the Calgary Hitmen, because the first game you're losing two nothing almost the entire game until about what four and a half minutes left yeah and then you got a couple goals and then won it in overtime so what was going on in that game like you just needed to break through having an off night how would you describe it yeah i don't know that wasn't an ideal start for us but uh 
for an ideal game. Yeah, I mean, uh, they had us in the first half. We'll, we'll give them that one. But uh, I don't know. We uh, seem to connect the dots with, what, four and a half minutes left in the third. Better late than never. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, spot them a lead and just make your uh, life a little tougher. I guess that's what we wanted to do that night. Mm. Okay, so you're you, yeah. you're obviously sitting there on the bench, Wyatt, knowing it's an off night for the team. So yeah. what are you thinking to try to get out of that funk? Well, it's just, it, like you said, it was an off night, and, and it wasn't that we were playing bad, but we just weren't playing great. Um, we had some chances. Our goalie was making some good saves, and basically it was just let's just keep with it and keep getting pucks in and keep getting shots on net, and then, you know, we happened to get one in. Uh, and then after we scored that first one, our bench just came to life, really. And from from there on out, it was a track meet right till the end. And uh, then we were lucky enough to get another one and then win it in overtime. So it was a pretty exciting game to be a part of in the end. Was that the most dramatic comeback you've ever been a part of, either of you? I don't even remember it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's game one. You oh, were in the game, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, what have you been doing this week? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's just a fog, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, pretty pretty cool game to be a part of. I mean, we've gone down a lot worse than that in the past, and we haven't come back. So, I mean, that's a nice change of scenery. Yeah, it's it's up there for me. Uh, probably top three. Okay. Well, where are the other two? Uh, well, there was this one time <laughs> we were in Vancouver, and we ended up losing the game 8-7. Oh, that one. But yeah, that was si- <laughs> Oh, that one. That's exactly what you wanted oh, here. Oh, that yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> All right. We, I think we scored six goals yeah. in the third period and got it back to 7-7, and then they scored one to win it. But that, that was pretty crazy. That was a barn burner. That was really fun to be a part of because everybody was just playing at that point. Systems, everything thrown out the window because obviously they weren't working. <laughs> that's, that's Connor's kind of game right there. So. I I mean, yeah, that, I'm not going to lie. That was my program for most yeah. of the night that night. So it happens. Other than sitting on the bench. Yeah, I don't do penalty kills. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple penalty kills out there. I wasn't out there. So you, you win game two at home. You go to Calgary. It goes to overtime again. And Wyatt McLeod is Captain the overtime Clutch. hero. Yeah. Tell me about the goal. Well, for starters, they put C-Mac on the ice with me. So I was just using his 19 goals to, you know, <laughs> help me get one through. But no, um... It was kind of a little bit of a broken play. Russ threw it um, just back on net, and it went off the far end wall and then up to me and just a C&I shot that found the, the far side of the net. Honestly, it was pretty exciting, though. For for anybody that didn't see it, uh, he's trying to sound as modest as he can. Pure snipe. So <laughs> look out for him. The guy's got a hot stick. You were saying before we came on, though, that you practice that type of play. Yeah. So t- t- tell me what specifically you're like, what are you working like just hitting the net, hitting a spot, shooting for a tip? Like, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So in practice, we do, we do a lot of just deep point shots kind of thing. So we'll be standing on the blue line and it might be an indirect pass off the boards. It might be a straight pass. We might go over and shot or just shot. But uh, a lot of it is just shooting for sticks and shooting for certain areas in the net, whether it's far side, short side, that kind of thing. So, um, Honestly, when the play happened, it was kind of just an instinct to put it towards the net because of how many reps we've had of that one in practice. So worked out well, I guess. All right. So so that, so that's interesting that a very specific th- – because I imagine – and I, I go to all the Oilers practices at home, and I often tell people, watching a hockey practice ain't that fun. Like there's <laughs> a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, they're, they're doing this drill. Uh-huh. And then sometimes you might see it in a game, and, and sometimes you might not. But that's something where I imagine if somebody went to Oil Kings practice – and saw you guys shooting like that, they might think, 
like what's the point but there's actually a very specific goal to that yeah for yeah. sure yeah uh, I mean, our, our D are uh, a pretty big part of our team in creating offense. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that we practice on. I don't know what you're talking about. Practice isn't fun. I mean, I'm having a lot <laughs> well, of no, fun. Remember, I'm not on the right ice now. with the Oilers, Connor. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. but uh, If I was on your program in practice, I'd be having fun, too. Oh, I'm having a ball out there. <laughs> and what is your program in practice? Uh, Yell at Vinny. No, I don't yell at Vinny that much anymore. It's it's I don't know. It <laughs> starts it starts the night before. Preparation is a big thing. So you go home, you watch TV, and whoever the good player is that night, you tape your stick like he does his, and then uh, <laughs> you think you're gonna t- you're gonna play like that guy uh, that popcorn. day. So uh, McKinnon was the guy two nights ago. Uh, I was watching Morgan Riley highlights last night, so I taped my stick like Morgan Riley today, and. Uh, you know, two good practices, so I don't know. I've got a tough decision to make as far as getting ready for game one. R- r- real tight program beside me, as you can see. Hey, I'm always prepared for practice, though. That's that's the only that's the only thing. I don't know. Brad says there's <laughs> Brad says coffee's free all the time, and I say I know. There's a big coffee machine in the kitchen. Well, obviously you don't have enough. Well, I mean, I live by that thing. I have three cups to. <laughs> Everybody, like most guys, don't even have one. So, I mean, I'm amped. I'm ready to go when I'm out there. Connor McDonald, watch the clock from the in studio. Does do you ever do practices ever feel tedious over the course of a long season? You're gonna have this one, Connor. <laughs> We're gonna assume Brad uh, will never know what you just said. I mean, even if he does hear me, he wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> That's, I mean. I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, practice is good. Uh, in all seriousness, our coaching staff is very good at incorporating what we need to practice in at certain times. Um, and depending on our schedule, uh, we'll set up practices accordingly uh, and what we do within those practices. So, I mean, if we've got a bit of time off, we'll do a bit uh, harder of a skate on a Monday. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday is more system stuff. Uh, whereas if we play, uh, you know, say Friday, uh, practice like today was a lot of, uh, a lot of system stuff and a lot of stuff unique to the team that we were playing. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as far as practice actually goes, it, I mean, we're pretty dialed in. So I want to go back to game three, why, where you scored the game winner. You guys had the lead late in that one. You find yourself two men short and then Calgary pulls their goalie. So the six on three, and I mean, I, 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 I was just surprised. First of all, you guys were down two two men in the, in the final minute of a of a close playoff game. Talk about I, I guess you you weren't quite able to kill it off and win in regulation. What was it like dealing with that situation? Oh boy, get some popcorn. This is Cloudy's favorite war story right now. <laughs> uh, okay, Connor. <laughs> but no, uh, it it was a unique situation for I'm pretty sure for all three of us on the ice. Uh, I know myself. I've never killed a six on three before. Um, so standing in zone, it was just guys all around me, just hanging out, waiting for the puck. But um, after they scored, it was interesting because we still had about 40 seconds left to kill. So there's still 40 seconds left in the game. It was tied, and they were still on the power play. So you had to get your mind past that real quick because we still had work to do to get it, it into overtime. Um, so for us on the bench, you know, it was just kind of, hey boys, they scored, whatever, settle down. We gotta, we gotta get this done. So once we got into the room, it was um, our leadership group and the guys that always step up for us in the room started talking, and it really settled everyone down. And 
I mean, by the end of the time the intermission was over and we were headed back onto the ice, we were ready to go. And I think everyone in the room knew we were going to win. So. Now, who is in that leadership group? And you can you give me an example of what might have been said? Yeah, well, guy to my right, right here, Connor, I, I remember he said... Uh, something along the lines of you know stuff happens uh, yeah be, be careful with what you say here it's that's out of our control um and we got to look forward and and get going in this overtime period so just stuff like that along the lines of you know we can't control what's happened in the past we let's just focus on what's gonna happen here uh, someone's gonna be the winner we're gonna have a hero in this room tonight so let's go out and score the goal kind of thing and he knew it was gonna be you yeah, I, I mean, so. I had my money on him. He was shooting pretty good that night. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not a gambling man. I, I don't have good game sense, but uh, I don't know. I put my money on Cloudy that night, so I guess the I'm, whole, I'm one for 15 now. The whole buck like 25 in your wallet, hey? Buck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have been pretty choked if, if I lost that because that was going to buy me a vanilla sprinkle donut. There, so. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. We are in studio with Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod from the Edmonton Oil Kings. They are going to PA for games one and two Friday and Saturday. Home games next Tuesday and Wednesday at Rogers Place. We'll set up the series against the Raiders. If you have a question for these guys, you can text 63630-780-496-0063. We're coming right back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, thank you very much for tuning in tonight. It is now 4-0 Dallas leading Nashville. Three minutes left in the first period. Third period coming up in Toronto. The Leafs trail the Bruins for 2 Special guests in studio from the Edmonton Oil Kings, defenseman Wyatt McLeod and Connor McDonald. And uh, gentlemen, we have a caller who would like to speak to you guys. We have Brian on line one. Brian, you have the uh, two Oil Kings guys right here to talk to. Hey, guys. First of all, congratulations on a heck of a season. You guys are doing Edmonton proud. Thank Thank you. I'm just kind of wondering, as far as that six-on-three situation, uh, I know that you guys probably practice five-on-three, five-on-four penalty kill. Do you ever practice like a six-on-four or a six-on-three penalty kill? Good question. Thanks, Brian. No, I don't think so. We definitely do six on five, like for a pulled goalie so defending, situation. Right. So defending, defending a lead. Um, <clears throat> maybe once or twice we've done six on four, but never six on three. Definitely not. That I, I can't even remember if I... I'm sure it's happened in an NHL game, but I don't think I saw it in a an Oilers game this year last yeah. year I'm trying to think they down two men late in the game, late in the game with a goalie yeah. so how did you def- try to defend that though like did you do well we're doing the triangle or did you just do like yeah. did you just tackle guys because they probably won't call another one <laughs> <laughs> no pretty much it was let's run the triangle kind of thing yeah so it was you know they basically just skated wherever they wanted to go and we just you know stayed to the middle and and took away the seam passes but at that point i think there's only so much you can do yeah it was a team effort for sure though everybody was cheering on the bench oh, yeah. on the ice, <laughs> myself included especially so. connor connor uh, you were not on that pk no no uh i'm not the the guy that they want <laughs> out there you can ask brad or piercy apparently brad's listening i don't know but uh yeah, maybe we should get him call in and you can talk to him yourself. <laughs> well, we can talk to the head coach another time. It's great It's great to have you guys on. But that, that, is, that is one of those game situations where, I, I mean, I would assume as players you always hope there's something you can draw on. 
right? Like even as as a defenseman, mm-hmm. you, you might you probably won't get a lot of breakaways. But if you got a breakaway in a game, you could probably think, okay, when I was ten, I had a breakaway. And th- like as, as a six on three, you're probably sitting there thinking, like I've literally never experienced playing hundreds of hockey games <laughs> in my life. I literally have never had to do this. Yeah, that's pretty much what was going through my mind like what the heck is going on right now so did brad try to did was there a timeout or did he try to give you something going into that yeah there was a was a timeout i believe and so or there was a little extra stoppage in place so brad could you know let the refs know what he thought about it or something like that but anyway so piercy was on the bench our assistant coach uh luke pierce and and he drew up a you know, a diagram of how we needed to play in the areas we needed to protect and whatnot. So, you know, we were doing it to the best of our abilities, but in the end, there's just, you know, not a lot of experience to draw on in that situation. They did a great job, though. Yeah. They did a great job. Thanks, Connor. You bet, man. <laughs> so, Prince Albert next. You guys are not the favorites. Do you care? No, no that's fine. <laughs> Have it your way. Absolutely not. <laughs> And what's the game plan? Well, that's a stupid question. Let me rephrase that. You know what they have been able to accomplish this season. Um, so is this about is this about slowing them down? Is this about worrying about them? Or is this about saying we know how we have accomplished what we have accomplished and then we got to keep doing it? That, uh, that would be it. Yeah. I'd, I mean, you're asking for some pretty sensitive uh, information. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're a good team. Uh, the thing about them is they haven't gone through much adversity this year, so uh, hopefully we can instill a bit of that in game one and uh, give them a run for their money. Uh, we're excited for the challenge. Um, yeah, just go into game one and uh, give them hell. What's that rink like to play in? It's not fun. It's a shoebox. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an aggressive environment there. Their Their fans are really into the game. Uh, and they're you know they're super passionate, so it's a fun environment for us to, as players to go into. Um, new experience for us too, as far as how aggressive the uh, the arena can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be it'll be a battle. It'll be a battle for sure. Oz is texting in. Keep up the great work, gents. Which is preferential for young hockey players before playoff games? Loose and laughing, or loose and serious? I think it depends on the player. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that varies on the player for sure. Connor's just all He's loose. You gotta be yourself. No, yeah. if you actually look at guys in our room, I'm I'm not even one of the loosest guys. I'm usually just drinking my coffee as recommended by. <laughs> but there's are there some guys, guys that are just chatterboxes before games? Yes, I yeah. think it totally depends on what is preferable for you as a you as a player you know we have guys that are super chatty um like to keep it loose keep talking you know kind of thing like that and then we have other guys that like to really dial it in and focus on what they need to do Mm -hmm. uh maybe visualize stuff like that so i think it really depends on the player yeah gavs gavs uh loves getting the boys going he's always enthusiastic and jumpy and then uh i mean we'll keep goalies out of it because goalies are a bit of a wild card just right across the board but um i don't know i mean you take uh you take you know andre pavlanko or or um you know even F- fix Wolanski. i mean they're they're different uh there are different ways to prepare and 
they do what's best for them in order to be successful. All right, we're going to uh, let some 630 Shed listeners go see you guys in person. Now, there's a code word to enter today. We're going to have another code word tomorrow. So you have to go to the contest page on 630Ched.com. Today's code word should be pretty easy to remember. It is playoffs, and you get into the draw for a loge table for one of the games next week, games three or four. And uh, they, this listener is also going to get guys get a game worn, autographed Matthew Robertson jersey. Oh wow, that's actually a yeah. big score. Yeah, that, that's a you know top tier prize right there. Can I join in this draw? You can. I I, <laughs> I believe you can enter. Just go to the contest page on 630shed.com. Do you remember the code word? Uh, playoffs, right? There it is. Easy oh. to remember. Nice, gentlemen. It's uh, an absolute honor to have you in studio. Congratulations on the season so far, but I know you're far from done, so go get them against the PA Raiders. Thank, Thank you. you. That is Connor McDonald, Wyatt McLeod from your Edmonton Oil Kings. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.